Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ward. I'm so thankful that we have a, a pastor who loves people. You know, he oversees our men's ministry on Saturday mornings, and the men meet at about 7 in the morning. I know it's a Saturday morning, but some of us get up early, and what, a, what, what better way to get up on a Saturday morning than to learn with other men about God, our role as a father, our role as a husband, and who God called us to be as men. And so thank you, Pastor Ward, for being our, our pastor over our men's ministry. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series, and we're learning these simple things on how do I. I think we have questions all the time on how do I do certain things, especially as a new believer in Jesus Christ. If you've just recently come to know Jesus, then you're learning a whole bunch of things. But at the same time, you're also unlearning some things because there's some habits that we have that we don't want to continue with. It's almost like we have two lives now that we're living We have this new life in Jesus and then this old life before we got to know him. And so we're trying to figure out how do we live with these two extremes? How do we live this life? And so we've been learning that through this series. Last week, Pastor Marsha spoke and she said, how do do we relate to God? Well, simple. We relate to God through Jesus Christ. God gave us his son so that we would know what he is like because Jesus is God. And so when he gives us Jesus Christ, we can, we can read the scriptures and see the life of Jesus to really catch the heart of God in who he is. The Bible calls Jesus our mediator. He's that person between us and God. He, for, he forgave us of our sins because Jesus died on the cross. And because of the death on the cross, we now have access to God through Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we feel distant from God because of the things we've done or what we're doing today. And Jesus says, hang on. The reason why I died is so that you wouldn't be distant from God. The reason why I died is so that you can draw near to God. And so we all stand righteous before God because of what Jesus has done. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And some of us wonder, well, how do I get to the point of even asking? How do I even ask God for things Uh, for my life to be in a certain way? Or how do I ask God to learn certain things? Well, Jesus' disciples had that question too. How do do we even go to God? How do we even even pray to God? What, What does that even look like? Because the disciples saw Jesus and his relationship with God so different than anyone else's relationship. There's just something about Jesus that people would look at and say, why, why are you different with the God whom we worship, whom we give offerings to? How is it so different with you? Teach us how to pray, like how you pray to God. Like your prayers with God the Father is so, like, relational. It's not religious at all. You pray to him like you know him. And so we're going to learn that today. How do we pray now, some of us pray, just throw up prayers. Like when we're driving, I pray all green lights. Lord, I'm late. I, I, please, please. Or, or if, if there's a, a shortage of finances, we pray and we say, God, all I need is $7,000. That's all I need by tomorrow. That's, that's all I need. I'm asking. You said ask and you shall receive. And so we ask. And so we pray to God. Sometimes we will throw up prayers. Sometimes we pray before we eat. And we do a blessing over the food. 
So some of us have learned that type of prayer. Some of us in a time of desperation will pray to God, Lord, heal this person. Please help me with my health. Lord, please let the report be good. And we pray, we talk with God. But there is something that Jesus did that can help all of us, regardless if you're a new believer, if you're, if you're someone who has been walking with Jesus for years, Jesus gives us a way in how to pray to God. And it's a simple prayer. In other words, Jesus gives us like a template to pray. Not the actual words in which to follow word by word, but he says you, you pray in this way. He gives us a model template, a, a beginning, a, a, the basics of prayer. It's kind of like, remember when we were growing up? Uh, when I was growing up, they actually came to school, like dentists would come to school and teach you how to brush your teeth. Remember those, those like pink pills that we would have to eat? You chew on them and then rinse out your mouth, and then they <laughs> show you all your plaque on your teeth. Like they would say, okay, let me see your teeth. You smile. You're like, whoa, what is that? They said, did you brush your teeth this morning? Yes, I did. No, you didn't brush it good. And we think brushing our teeth meant just having toothpaste taste in our mouth. But there was a way to brush our teeth. And so they said, this is how you are supposed to brush your teeth. And so they taught us, you're supposed to go with the tooth, right? You start at the gum line and then you brush down. You go with the tooth. Now, if we were to brush our teeth like that, it would take us forever to brush our teeth. It's like we we're brushing each tooth one by one. And then they said, then you eat this pill and rinse your mouth and see where you missed. And then go back and then catch the spots that you missed. If you try that today, you would, you would be late for work every single morning. Or you would have to get up super early. But what they were saying was, this is, this is the beginning. This is how... This is how you should brush your teeth. Now, once you learn the basics, then you know why you brush your teeth that way. There's a specific way you brush it so that you can get it as clean as possible. And then you floss after that because a toothbrush can't get everything. So they taught us that. Now, how many of us brush our teeth like that even still today? Yeah, I don't think any of us do. You know how we brush our teeth? That's how we brush our, well, not me. <laughs> Heidi's like, why do you make so much noise when you brush your teeth? I'm like, I want it to be clean. Some of us use an electric toothbrush. Like, do the work for me. And then you're done. We all brush our teeth differently, but to, uh, the basics of brushing your teeth is there so that even though we may stray, we can always go back to, wait a minute, I'm not brushing my teeth that good. People might even tell you that. They might say, you want some gum? Hey, you want some mints? You want some candy? You're like, no. I'm like, no, please, take the whole bag. So we, we have a basic. We were, we were taught. And Jesus gives us a basic of how to pray. And, and in case we were to stray away from prayer and, and how to pray, in case we come to a place in life that we, we started taking shortcuts in prayer because we're in a rush or something, he says, you can always go back to the template of how to pray. And that's what we want to learn this morning. You can take out your notes that are in your bulletin and it'll, it'll help you to follow along and maybe you can jot down some things and learn as we go. 
In the book of Luke chapter 11, Jesus was asked by his disciples how to pray. And he responded in such a way that helps us even today. And if you do have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11. And the interesting thing about this question that, that Jesus was asked is that his disciples knew about prayer. They were praying people. They knew about prayer. That, that's, that was part of who they were as God's chosen people. They knew how to pray. But when they saw Jesus praying, they're like, wait a minute. Why is it different? Teach us, teach us that. We, we want that relationship with God. Teach us how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, I'll read from verse 1 till about verse 4. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So it wasn't, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray the prayer John prayed with his disciples. He said, teach us how to pray. Like how John was teaching, can you also teach? But teach us on how you pray. Teach us, teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray. And then Jesus said to them, okay, when you pray, not if. When you pray. In other words, Jesus was saying, you're going to pray. Because you're going you're to encounter things in life that are going to require my help. You can be a believer or a non-believer. Everyone prays. Everyone prays. But Jesus said, yeah, when you pray. Because everyone prays. Everyone prays. Even people who don't believe in God, they pray. They pray. So Jesus starts off with saying, everyone is going to pray. When you pray, he says, you, you pray like this. Say, our Father. He begins with who you're praying to. It's not this other God or this religious person or that. No, you're praying to our Father. And with that first word, our, he includes every single person that will ever live on the face of this planet. He never just left a specific person or people group to say, you're special, so you're going to pray like this, according to just your group, a select group of people. He said, no, our, our, our Father, everyone, we're all God's children, everyone. Yeah, but I've done bad things. Even still, he's your Father. Yeah, but I don't believe in him. doesn't change the fact that you're his son, his daughter. You were still created by God. But I reject God. He never rejected you. But I don't believe in him. He believes in you. I don't trust him. He loves you even still. And so that's the kind of father we serve. He says, our father, where is he? Which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he continues on. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Now in the book of Luke, it's different from the book of Matthew. Because the different perspectives that they had included the entire prayer. Luke just didn't include those parts. Where he says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Matthew includes that. And so when the disciples asked Jesus, well, how do, how do we do this? Jesus gives them this template and says, pray in this manner. He didn't say pray word for word in this, in this way. No, you pray in this manner. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. 
Jesus says, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And this is the King James Version. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know what Jesus was saying? God's will is not always done on this earth. That's why when people say, well, if God did love us, if he did exist, then why are bad things happening? Well, because there are bad people. Yeah, look at the person next to you. We're all bad people. We've all done something. We all have evil in our hearts. That's why we need redemption. Because we have this evil in our hearts. And Jesus says, pray that God's will would be done on earth because it's not always done as it is in heaven. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, when you pray to God and you're saying, God, forgive me, he's saying, okay, in tandem, at the same time, you forgive someone else. You forgive just as you've been forgiven. How can, how can I ask God for forgiveness if I withhold forgiveness towards someone else? So he says, as you ask for forgiveness, you give out forgiveness. You be Jesus to people. You be like me to people as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen, he says. That means so be it. Amen doesn't mean goodbye. So when Jesus says you say amen at the end, you're not saying goodbye and then because you prayed, you're done connecting with God. He says, no, 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 you're just saying, so be it. This is my prayer. So be it. Let it be done. So he gives us this template. See, prayer is so critical for the life of a believer. It's so crucially important. So important that in the book of Isaiah, he says that my house, Isaiah quotes this, talking about God's house, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. Listen very carefully. Prayer is so important that God calls his house prayer. So important that he calls it prayer. That causes us to really think about prayer. That my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So how does how does this relate to us? How does this transfer to our lives? How, how does this help our lives? How do we pray? How did Jesus teach us to pray? Here's the first thing that we can learn from what Jesus said. Pray with meaning. So pray with meaning. When you say our Father, what you're saying is there's a relationship there. Now, when you have a relationship with someone, you're, you're having a conversation with them. There's meaning to it. Imagine if you came home Every day, and you said to your loved one or your spouse or, or that person, maybe you're dating, and you say, honey, your eyes are like diamonds that radiate throughout eternity. You have captured my heart. Or however, you know, whatever cheesy thing you would want to say that would make them just melt. Oh, that's so nice. But imagine if you came home day after day, honey, your eyes are like diamonds. They just radiate into eternity. You have captured my heart. Oh. That's so nice. You said that yesterday, but I, I, it's still nice. Third day, fourth day, honey, your eyes are like diamonds. They radiate into eternity. I don't know why I have an accent, but you, <laughs> you've captured my heart. Now, you say that day after day. After all, they're like, you know what? I know my eyes are like diamonds, okay? Sell them and get some money. You know, with, you say that every day. It doesn't mean anything anymore. 
Now, we can say the same thing and lose the heart behind it. And that's what Jesus was saying. He says, don't ever lose the heart behind prayer. Pray with meaning. You want to have that, that heart connected to it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other, of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. That's why when Jesus said, pray like this, that, that phrase, like this, actually means in this way or as it follows. So kind of like a template, a roadmap to how to pray. See, our, our prayers need to be intentional. It needs to be relational. There has to be meaning in our prayers. And God says, when you bring that kind of prayer to me, it's not necessarily what you're praying, although included and important. It's the fact that you are praying with meaning. You're coming to me and you're praying to me, with me, and listening for my voice. There's a connection. It's a relationship. There must be meaning in it. That's what makes a marriage strong. There's meaning in it, intentionality, relationship. He says, don't lose that. Don't lose that. Don't just babble on. Just be relational. Just like how we are with people on this earth. Be relational. The people we love the most, we talk with. And we listen. God says, be that way with me. Have that reverence. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. Have that reverence, that respect, but have meaning with it at the same time. A second thing is this, to value that, that private time. You value your private prayer time. Now, there are times when we're going to pray together. We, we, do that, we did that this morning. We will pray together. We do that corporately or as the body of Christ. We'll pray together. And something happens when we pray together. The Bible says it in this way, where there are two or three, there I am in your midst. But what he's not saying is, if you're by yourself, I'm not there. No, he's just saying, listen, when there's two or three gathered in my name, don't forget, I'm there too. I am there. But even in your quiet prayer time, he says, I am with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. I will be there with you. So in your private prayer time, he wants us to pray with him. If you read throughout the scriptures, Elisha shut the door behind him and he prayed. In the second book of Kings, Matthew tells us to go to your room and pray in secret. Matthew chapter 6. The Pharisee and the tax collector went to the temple to pray. They went to the secret place to pray. Paul the apostle, he went to the riverside, a place of solitude prayer. And Paul consistently sat with God in a place of prayer. Peter went on the rooftop to pray. And he saw a vision. Why? Because he took time out to be alone with the Lord. His private prayer time. His secret prayer closet. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 tells us, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He's saying, yeah, you can go on the streets, that's fine, but that's your reward. 
If you're there just to be seen by people, if you pray in the open just to be seen by people, that's your reward. But that's as far as it goes. Because your motive is self. I want people to see me pray. Oh, I have great prayers. I start off with such holy words. And God says, then that's your reward. You feel good about it. But if your prayer life is a private prayer life, oh, I can do miracles. I can do great things. And then when you come out of your prayer closet and then you pray with people and for people, your motive is not wrong. Your motive is, God, I want to glorify you as well as pray over people. But it has to come out of a private prayer time. It's not the opposite. Where out there in the public in front of people, I'm praying and, wow, wow, great. That guy's great. That lady is great. They're so good. But, in, but I have no quiet prayer time. God says, I, I can see what's happening. So your reward is what you're shooting for. If you just want the applause of man, that's your reward. But if you want to be in a secret, private place, I have hidden treasure you know not of yet. You just take that time out and pray to me. Come to me. Jesus began his ministry by prayer. He prayed all night and then chose his disciples. Jesus knew what he was doing. He often went to lonely places and prayed and spent time with the Father. The Bible tells us that Jesus is on the right hand of God praying for us right now. He intercedes for us. Imagine that, the Son of God praying for you and I. He wants the very best for you and I. So we work in tandem with him. We cooperate with him because he's praying for us. He's interceding for us. And he wants us to grow with him. See, there's, there's power and strength when we, when we secretly pray. We, we gain that power and strength. We gain power with God and with man. And not a controlling authoritative power. It's a, it's a spiritual growth that takes place, a maturity that happens. And as we grow in him, then our lives become what he wants it to be because it's in that quiet room where God shapes our lives the best. It's not out there in the public. It's in the secret, quiet place that he begins to mold us and shape us. And in that secret, quiet place, you're going to hear him chisel every now and then things that are not of him. And he'll just chip it off. But he's making us more like him. Although painful at times, the best thing for us. And he says, I want to shape you into the image I see you to be. And when we take time to pray in secret, at the same time, really what's happening is that we're spending time waiting before God. Remember the book of Isaiah, it says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary. Like there, there's, a, there's a power that comes with quiet time prayer. Now, I've, I've shared this before, and, and the reason why I'm sharing it is not so that I, I can be applauded like, wow, you do that, Pastor? Wow. No, it's, it's so that I can give you some tangible ways in, in how to pray. Now, there are times where we will pray and bless our food. We're just thankful to God. That's a thankful prayer. But the secret quiet prayers will be in my room. When I get up in the morning, I, I, I roll out of bed in such a way that I can drop to my knees and thank you, Jesus. My carpet is soft. And so I, I get there. And, or before I go to bed, I just get on my knees before God. And the bed is at a perfect height where I can rest my arms and just close my eyes and really focus in on God. Now, that's private prayer time. And those aren't too long. Maybe three minutes, four minutes. 
But then I have other private prayer times where I'm just by myself, maybe reading my Bible, and it could be anywhere. It could be at home. It could be at a coffee shop. It could be uh, uh, while I'm traveling. It could be anywhere where you make that time to be alone with God. You can even do that while you're on break at work. Just find a quiet place. Now, some of you are at home, and it is not quiet. It's super noisy. And so you're trying to figure out, how do I find a quiet spot? Where do I go? I mean, wherever I go, they find me. Like, there's no place I can go. The only way I can get quiet time is I got to go bathroom, and that's the only time I have. They're knocking on the door, mom, dad. It's like, I'm busy. It's my quiet time. You've been in there for four hours. Too bad. (laughs) I put cereal on the table. Eat your cereal. But we, here's what we can do. Just find even the minimal amount of time. Don't shoot for 10 minutes, five hours, two hours, an hour. Look for the bare minimum first. Yeah, but what if it's only 30 seconds? Then be faithful with 30 seconds. What if it's just five seconds? If it's just five seconds and let's just say you have a walk-in closet, walk in it, close the door, pray to God, settle down. Five seconds. Now, you might feel like five seconds, that's not honoring God. Well, if you've never prayed like that before, five seconds is a lot more than you've prayed in your secret private time. And the reason why we say be faithful in the little is because Jesus promises if you're faithful in the little, you will also become faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful with the little that I've given to you, you're going to be unfaithful with much. You're not going to be able able to have much. So he says be faithful with the little. Just little. And then he'll grow from there. And God says, as you do that, you'll begin to see how great this private prayer time is. In the privacy of our hearts, the privacy of if, even at our homes. It's, it's almost like we, we got to learn how to value private prayer time. We got to learn how to value private prayer time. Because we have since neglected our own private time, just our privacy. Privacy is a huge thing in our world today. I was just sharing with someone that um, I had to get a new credit card because someone was trying to use our credit card. And I'm sure if I I were to ask you as a show of hands, how many of you had that happen to you or you know someone, almost all of us will probably raise our hands because our privacy is no longer private. We, 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 we click on these, like when you're downloading an, an app or some type of software, they say, read these terms in agreement. You're like, I ain't reading that. That's going to take days. And then you scroll down, I accept. And it says, have you read it all? Oh, I got to lie. Yes, I did. But in there are all different types of privacy acts to protect us from identity theft or people hacking into our computers or, or just keeping our privacy. But we're no longer private people. We don't even value our own private time because we, we don't know where to find it. Even when you go to the restroom, you're no longer in your private time. You take your cell phone with you. You're emailing, texting people while you're in the bathroom. Thank God we're not talking to people on the phone, unless you are. And after a while, I was like, you were using the bathroom while you're talking to me? My goodness. We, we don't have, it's like we don't even have private 
time when we're supposed to have private time. So we got to learn how to value private time. And it plays into our prayer life. And God says, you got to learn this stuff. You got to learn this. Go into your secret room, wherever that would be. Find pockets of private prayer time. Just little pockets. And you'll see God show up. And then the last thing, just remember, you can pray to God anytime. Anytime. This is the wonderful thing about what God did with this thing called prayer. We can pray to God anytime. It doesn't matter where we are. We can always pray to God. Even in outer space, when they went into outer space, they said, God is even here. In the depths of the ocean, they will do explorations. God is even here. There's no place that you can go to that will disconnect you from God. As the book of Romans tells us, it's the love of God that you'll never be separated from. You can't. Height, depth, cannot separate us from the love of God. You can pray to God anytime. So you don't have to wait till you come to church to pray. You can pray anytime. Did you know that even in your car, if it's just you, instead of turning on the radio, how about we turn on prayer? We just pray to God. Now, it's, it's kind of weird in the beginning. And I, I, and I still do this, and it's, it's kind of like I'm trying to get used to it because it almost can feel like you're talking to yourself. Well, we do that anyway, right? We talk to ourselves anyway, so we mumble under our breaths. Like, tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. I say, I don't know. So we already talk to ourselves. Why not talk to God by ourselves? Like in the morning when I, when I get ready for church, when I get into my car, I say, good morning, Lord. We're going to have a fantastic day. My heart is open to you. Teach me new things. Talk to me throughout the day. I want to hear your voice. Just talk with God. He likes that. He just wants to be with us. In the morning I will pray, says the book of Psalms. Evening and morning and noon I meditate. Daniel prayed three times a day. If you know the story of Daniel in the book of Daniel, you read, he prayed three times a day. They went up to the temple in the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, they called it. In the book of Acts, Cornelius prayed at the ninth hour. People were praying at the hour of incense in the book of Luke chapter 1. In the book of Job, it's quoted, will, will the godless call on God at all times? We can. We can call on God anytime. See, I look at it this way. God is not a phone call away. He's a face in front of you. And he's always there. You can just talk and he's there. And he doesn't go away. I put down a couple of scriptures from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5, 6, and 7 in different translations and versions. But he's, so, so Jesus says it like this, and when you pray. He says, and when you pray. In other words, you can pray anytime. So when you pray. He didn't say, you know, in the morning, when that time is specifically set apart for prayer at that time only, this is how you already pray. He says, no, when you pray. Then he says again, but when you pray, he's saying to us, Hang on, catch this. When you pray, and he says it again in verse 7, when 
you pray. He's reminding us that it's not an if kind of situation. It's a when situation. You can pray to God anytime. You pray to him. Sometimes you'll receive a phone call, and this happens to us often. You'll receive a phone call. Maybe someone is sick, a loved one, a family member, maybe a friend or a friend of a friend. And because you know God, they'll say, you pray because you know God. And they'll turn to you because they know you have a so-called closer connection with God. Say, so, hey, can, you, can you pray for so-and-so? They're going through this. And we pray. We have what we call a prayer chain. We have a prayer room. We have prayer warriors, we call them. Because God said, this is, this is what you do. This is who you are as a believer. You can pray to me anytime. Yeah, but I've, I, I've done bad, so i got to wait till I get good. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that's the worst mentality to have. Prayer is not conditional according to how our behavior is or what we've done. It's not. It's when you pray. Because God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if Jesus died for us while we were still sinning, wouldn't he hear our prayers even in our sin? So he says, when you pray to me, start off with our Father. Don't, don't come. To, you don't need to come to me and say, I'm so sorry I did this. I, did. I got it. I got it. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But just come to me as, as Father. You're my Father, our Father. We're going to get to the other things. Forgive me of my sins and forgive others. And you can ask me for things. Give me today my daily bread. I, I pray for my finance. We can get to that. But can you just come to me as my child? And if that's all you ever come to me with, I'm good with that. Because we can get to the other stuff later. And I think we don't come to God like that because sometimes we don't come like that with each other. We, we don't greet each other anymore. We don't say good morning. We don't say good night. When we come home from work, we don't say, hi, honey, how are you? Sometimes the first thing we do is like, okay, who never cleaned this up? How can I get dishes in the sink? Whose socks is this? And we know whose it is, but we want them to confess, which is why Jesus said this is how you pray. But we... We don't even do that with each other. So how about we start practicing that with each other? And they, maybe that will help us in our prayers, that we begin to greet one another. Just say, good morning. We can get to the other stuff later. Let's not miss relationship. So incredibly important that Jesus put it in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. We're all his children. There's no specific time to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells us to rejoice when? Always. You rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Now, what that doesn't mean is you just keep praying. And you pray all day. And then when people talk to you, say, well, hang on, I'm praying, hang on, I'm praying. No, you pray without ceasing means you, con you continuously keep an open door of prayer. It's always open. It's never closed. It's continuously open that you can pray to God anytime. Consistent. I can pray to you. I can pray without ceasing in everything, not for everything, major difference. In everything. Even when things are bad, in everything, I can give thanks. Even when things aren't going well, I can give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some of us are saying, God, what is your will for my life? 
what is your will? Just, just tell me your will. And we we're trying to be specific, like, do I take this, this, do I take this job? Do I move here? Do I stop doing this? Do I change jobs? Do I, do I start a family? What is your will for my life? And he says, okay, here it is. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says, you got to start there with prayer. You saturate it with prayer. Otherwise, you're going to make decisions based on emotion and what looks good and what feels good. Not what I'm saying to you because you're not rejoicing always. You're not praying to me. You're not giving thanks. So you're not even in my will. So how can you make decisions in being in my will if you're not doing these things? And he keeps it so simple for us. See, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that. Or our hearts, our soul. It's like the house of God. This is, this is his temple. This is where he dwells. He will no longer dwell in man-made temples. He will now be in our hearts. It's where God lives. He's so, he's so huge and magnificent that heaven cannot contain him, yet he dwells in the heart of man. He's that loving enough to say, I can dwell in your hearts. Jesus prayed. He prayed to his Father. And if Jesus prayed, how much more should we? And may we, in our hearts where God dwells, may this house be called a house of prayer. Amen. You bow your heads with me as we pray. I'm going to invite Glenn to come up to the keyboard. Prayer is something that we all can learn, Lord. And so we come before you as our Father. Our Father. You're in heaven. May your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth. Not everything is done according to your will. So as we pray to you, we want your will to be done on this earth. Have your will be done through us, especially as believers, that we would bring you into this world, that people would see a glimpse of you in every single one of us. Thank you for forgiving us. And we ask for forgiveness. There may be things in us that we need to forgive others with. And Lord, we want to release that to you, even if we don't feel like it. Forgiveness is not a feeling, nor is it to prove right or wrong. Forgiveness is to free us from imprisonment. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for giving us our daily bread. Thank you for taking care of our families, our loved ones. You're a powerful God. It's all about your kingdom and your glory, which is eternal. It doesn't go away. It is consistent because you are consistent. There may be some here this morning, Lord, that they don't, they don't know you yet. Maybe they're beginning to know you. And if you're here today and you're saying, I don't know God yet. I, I hear a lot about him. I've been attending church for a while. I've been searching but today, God did something in my heart, and I wanna, I'm ready to give him my life. I choose to believe in God. And the way that happens is Jesus gave his life so that we could be redeemed. The Bible calls it salvation, that we're saved from eternal separation from God. And now eternity with God in a place called heaven, a perfect place. No more pain, no more suffering. We will all see God face to face. 
but I want to see his face forever. And if you want Jesus to be in your heart and God to guide your life, I'm going to say a prayer. We can say it all together. And in this prayer, you're, you're saying yes to Jesus, that you're going to follow him and that he can live in your heart. And here's our prayer. Let's say this all together. Even if you said this a thousand times, just include the heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross, Jesus, and rose from the grave to give me eternal life. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just said that for the first time, would you just lift a hand real briefly? I just want to say a prayer over you. And you just said, yeah, God sees your heart, your hand. Yeah, you just said yes to Jesus. Anyone else? You said yes. It's your first time. Anyone else? Okay, God sees you too. God bless you. Yeah, God sees you. And he hears your prayer. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray over these that just said yes to you. It's the greatest decision that we will ever make in our lives. And that one decision will help us to understand more of who you are and at the same time understand who we are in you. You have plans and a hopeful future for all of us. And so we thank you for being our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen.